We are back for a midweek edition of the Big Red Louie podcast, the first one in what feels like five weeks almost, at least for me. I don't know about you guys. Jacob Lane, host of the Big Red Louie podcast alongside Presley Meyer, my co-host, my other co-host, Alex Stengel. How are you guys doing tonight? I forgot we even did this. I know. What my, happened? my wife was like, did you quit your podcast? Right. Kate's like, I thought you had a new like fun hobby you were dealing with. I was like, yeah, I, it is. All of our, all of our uh, companions are like, oh, wow, they love us again. Look, guys, it's Q4. Things get crazy. Yeah, okay? Q4 is the craziest Q of all the all. It the really Qs. it's the wackiest Qs of all because like you got all the sports going on at the same time. You got the holidays mixed in, and so between those two things, it's just like, and and nobody works. Well, I shouldn't say in our right? in our like industry, quasi. it's different for you because this is your busy season in the holidays, yeah, working at a restaurant. That's right. But for us, which I'm I'm already praying for you for Black Friday. I don't. Did you work there last year for Black Friday? Mm-mm. Yeah, this is your first Black Friday in a restaurant in a long time, right? Uh, well, in, in a year, in a year, Ooh. but yeah, but no, 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 it, it, it'll be fine. For it, us, it, work stops. I mean, people don't after Thanksgiving. It's you check out until Christmas. And, I mean, I was in, in that Year's. corporate world last year. It was yeah. great. I so, it, I mean, I know a ton of people itching to buy hosted phone systems. Right, 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 right at the, the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, right you know, after all the budgets for 2020 have already solidified, they're good. They're like, yeah, now let's year. start shopping. Here's how you make a splash. Right. Let's close our year with bringing in a brand new phone system instead of waiting for a month and doing it at the beginning of the year. Hey, I'll put a bow on it. Makes sense. All right, well, we're going to dive a little bit into Louisville football tonight. The cards are officially bowl eligible, which Alex uh, is the only one on the entire site who predicted that. Bow, so bow, I, will bow. Give him, I will give him credit Thank for that. Thank you. Thanks, no, 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 no. Yeah, you did not. Yes, I did. No, Adam, I did not. Adam at six and seven, losing a bowl. So I'm going to have to go back and verify that. There's going to be some fact-checking there. We'll look no, into that. We're going to talk Louisville basketball. The cards are now ranked number two in the country after the, the nice win against North Carolina Central on Sunday. Uh, they'll go up against South Carolina Upstate tomorrow night And um, what could be the most boring basketball game in the history of the Ump Center. Wow. They I'm are one, terrible. He Okay. <laughs> I know we won't, but what if? Hear me out. We just started every freshman available on the team. Like, every new guy. They'd still win by at least well, no, the, the, 15. And if it got close, you know, I, then put the starters back in just for a little bit. But, I mean, like... I think Matt could... could I think he could play Keith Otto, Fresh Kimball, Josh Nickelberry, uh, you Hogan, play, You could play Ball. Quinn for sure. Like, uh, Quinn, Quinn at the four and Aiden at the five for the majority of the game and still win by 15. This team is that bad. I didn't know anything about them until the presser. And, one, I didn't realize they were literally... Just a few teams removed from the very the last bottom, place yeah. in in D one basketball. In, in surprising news, I thought that they were the University of Southern California Upstate. They are at, which <laughs> wouldn't make any sense because that Southern California is the way that they say that. Uh, but they are actually South Carolina Upstate. Interesting fun fact. I saw it, and they don't even have any juniors or seniors. Like right. they, they this, literally this seems like an, anom- an anomaly. Like and they have they have two players over six eight, but two players that are that are six eight. They are the, one of the smallest teams in the country. I didn't even know that. But okay, so let's add that on. Keep the facts from coming. the other facts. Yeah, I know. That, and then and just... the other fun fact is that the first time I ever heard of USC Upstate was last year when Chris Mack took the job and Louisville began recruiting. Uh, I don't even remember his name now. He was a, a graduate point guard from USC Upstate. He ended up going to Oklahoma State over Louisville, and I, I was like, "What is USC Upstate? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I've never heard of that school before." But anyways, I digress. <laughs> I got that right finally. I think I've said was regress. It, was it Mike Cunningham? He looked Mike Cunningham is his name. Yes, and he went to Oklahoma State and averaged about two points a game. I think 
I've never seen a guy say I digress and look so proud of themselves. <laughs> like well, he legit, and then he's like, "I totally said that right." Like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud you're, that you're, you're even, totally right that I I'll normally I have that. gotten that, that wrong ninety percent of the time. But anyways, yeah. So last year at Oklahoma State, he averaged um, eight points a game. It's not bad. No, not bad at all. At uh, USC Upstate the year before, he averaged thirteen point seven, which would make him the leading scorer on this year's team because they have one player scoring in double digits. One player, but they play like thirteen guys. That they have thirteen, like twelve or thirteen guys who average at least nine minutes a game. That's pretty good. I think this is really going to be one of those to where like the starters maybe are in for for ten minutes just to work on a, like a couple things Matt got yeah. pissed with the game before. He's like, you need to work on boxing well, out. If his you press conferences are work on- any sign of how angry he is, he is going to play them the whole game as a punishment because well, the- you would think he's coaching. A team that has lost a lot of games this year. You need to act like it, though, because like the big knock for us making it jumping up to number two, and, and I slightly get this, but I also know it's November and people just are freaking out. Like I've seen so many MSU fans uh, on Twitter just very, very unhappy that Louisville jumped them somehow in the rankings. I'm like, well, you guys technically already have a loss. And they're like, but we also have a top 15 road win. And I was like, you do, but you also have like a loss. And they, lost, they, they lost to Kentucky, who lost to Evansville, who lost to SMU. Yeah. So technically SMU is better than Kentucky and Michigan State if we're going to get technical. I mean, that's that's the, that's the law, yeah. Yeah, that is so, the law. And there are, in, in, in this world of Big Red Louie podcast, there are no laws when you're on the claw. That's right, especially on a Tuesday night sipping mangoes. We're just going to scrap this whole podcast. No, we're off to a good start. No, that, but that delicious sip brought to you by White Claw Mango. <laughs> the unofficial pick, sponsor of the Big Red Louie podcast. Pick them up at your local Circle K. Yeah, White is, Claw is not affiliated with the Big Red Louie podcast. This is how we save our followers, just in case they haven't popped off yet mm-hmm. and got to another podcast. My whole thing is I, I kind of get it because Louisville's big knock as of yet is they haven't played anybody besides Miami. Who I think is like in the 60s, I want to say, for like they're, ranking they're a, But either way, it's still an ACC yeah. team. But, right. Um, but my argument back is that we've done everything we were supposed to do up in, up to this point. And we've done it without two potential starters. And yeah. we've looked phenomenally efficient in terms of, I don't give a crap what Billy Reed says. <laughs> because like we've been passing good. phenomenal. That was a, that was Thank a you. very good Billy I just kind of jumped into it, but. But yeah, no, they've been. You gotta add in the like <laughs> from like way back in the background. <laughs> Who? And then Who? somewhere, Drew is rolling his eyes. The best Billy has keeps to be, coughing into the microphone. Just a side note: the best has to be. He asked one question. Who are we talking about? And then literally, it's it's uh, it's Drew Diener explaining the whole thing. Like, damn it, Billy! Five, I, damn it, Billy! We covered this already. We're talking about Louisville. Like damn the, it, Billy. the Jimmy Garoppolo thing from from last Monday night's football game was hilarious. Tuesday morning, he's like, "Who's Jimmy Garoppolo?" <sighs> and he's like, uh, we're, "We're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, the the 49ers quarterback. They just had Monday night football last <laughs> night, Billy." And he's but, like, "He's like, what does it have to do with what we're talking? We're talking about his girlfriend, Billy. <laughs> what does that matter? <laughs> well, because he dates a porn star, Billy." I don't care about that. Like, it just, he literally, like, I think he puts him on the air just to set him up for crap. Like, at this point, it's, he's literally becoming like the Mike Francesca of of Louisville. That was awesome. That was really good. So he's done the Scott Satterfield now. Yeah. Now the Billy Reed. I've got the Ed O. 
I mean, we're getting there on we're, our impersonation. We're making our rounds. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. I'm just I don't think to be we're myself. N- we're never gonna have a Mac and inter- like I'm never gonna try to do that. For no, some, but I he think that intimidates we re- me to the point where like I never want to try to to imitate him. <laughs> I, I think that see, I, there's something about him that does not intimidate me, and I think it's because I've seen Despicable Me so many times with my daughter, <laughs> and he looks like Groot. Like I mean, he looks just like him with the the sharp no- the nose and the bald head, and he's super skinny. That when I see him being mad, I'm like, he's going to say something really silly here in a second. So I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get intimidated. So the line just came out for the USC Upstate game. So I guess they're doing it like 24 hours ahead of time. That's Is it 50 or more? No, no. I want to look. That was mainly no, well, don't, a joke. Don't, don't look. That was mostly a joke. What do you, re- realistically... What do you think that the line is? And I'm, so keep I'm, in mind, Kentucky lost Evansville the other night. The line was what, 26? 20, yeah, 25 and a half. And, and the half. line for the UK-Utah Valley game last night was 24 and a half, I believe, or 21 and a half or something like that. And, and then got bet down to 14 when they announced that Montgomery and uh, uh, Quickly weren't going to play. I mean, the line went down. Uh, did it really? Went down to 14 and a half. I'm almost positive. I did positive. not realize it was that I low. could be wrong. I, I was with a buddy last night who is a avid gambler, and I am not. Like, I could sit here and tell you that I don't know what I'm talking about, and you'd say you're right. I just went by ESPN's app, and at the game, at the start of the game, it said like 21. Yeah, but so I what, what? I don't know. Either way. I'm going to say whatever. 27 and a half. I'm going to go 34. There you go, 35 and a half. Wow, Hot I wouldn't damn. touch that. 35 and a half. You could not convince me to so, touch that. No. And I so th- Louisville hasn't, they haven't covered every game this year. No. And they, you know what? RIP to, okay. to DJ because I feel bad mm, about that. He, yeah. He almost got that. I was literally, I, we were beating whoever, who we played. They've been close a couple of times. Like it, it was been a one uh, or two points. It was Indiana State, if I'm not, or no, 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 no. He, was, he bet the NC Central game on yeah, Sunday night. Yeah, that's who it was. NC, and we, we hit 30 with like a minute left. I'm like, hell, we might, well, we might then, actually do yeah, it because it was 32. If, for the, if you're least. a gambler, like if you're an avid gambler and you see Keith Otto and Horgan Orbaugh check in, you're like, damn it. We're about to no win some money. Him. No offense to them. <laughs> and honestly, they're great, great guys. If, but. if you bet the Louisville game, um, it was really uh, – it was Aiden Gahan who cost you because they, 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 what, they, they missed the line by two, right? Yeah. And Han missed five free throws in the yeah, last two it minutes. it was close. But, so either, either way, I, I don't think they hit the – and to that point, like, no, they haven't beat the spread a couple times already. But you got a bunch of new guys, and they're just trying to work stuff out. And we're still beating teams by, like, 25 to 30, so I'm okay. If that means not hitting the spread, but you're still beating teams by that much, that's fine. I All don't right. care. Uh, we're, we're I just gonna... don't want us to be UK and the spread be, like, 25 and us only win by, like, 7. Right. Like, that That would be scary for me. But I know if we don't beat the spread, we're... that's literally Mac just tweaking stuff. Because what's the what's the, it makes no sense to like just run up the score for the sake of it yeah. if you don't work on things. Yeah, I want to I want to talk football first, and let's we'll finish with basketball because I think that basketball there's not a whole lot to unpack there yet. But I have a question for you guys that I I'm honestly I've been kind of contemplating it the last few days, and I, I want to get your all's take on. It. Actually, you know what? Let's do it now because if not, I'm gonna forget. I have been thinking as I watch Louisville play the last two or three games, you know, you start to see how good they are. I mean, they're the best shooting team in the country. They're the 10th best shooting team from outside. Uh, they've got, they've got defense. They've got paint, you know, ability to score in the paint. They've got rebounding. They've got blocking shots. Here's the question I have. Steven Enoch has been so good this season. I think that he is obviously maybe outside of Darius Perry and Ryan McMahon, the most improved player on the team. I think that he has already shown me in four games. I know it's against lesser competition that he has an NBA ready body 
that yeah. that he can be the guy who carries you inside. He's lost all that weight. He looks like a completely different guy. So how how does Chris Mack work in Malik Williams and David Johnson, particularly Malik Williams? I don't believe you can play them on the floor together. I just don't see it because you put Malik Williams in, who are you going to take out at the four? You're going to either have to take out Jordan, you're going to have to take out Sam or Dwayne Sutton. I don't believe down the stretch of games that you can win without those at least two of those three guys on the floor. Malik Williams is going to be Louisville's best defender. Yeah. And he is – we know he can shoot. We know that he's a very versatile player. He's their, He is their leader. You can see it right now when he's in street clothes on the bench, the way that he's in, you know, getting involved and talking to the players before they even get to the sidelines. How does he work him in? Because I don't know how. I, I think that, that that is going to be – it's not going to hurt them, obviously, but I think that Louisville is going to need every game between now and Michigan and Texas Tech and Kentucky to figure that out because – I don't see how you can get Malik in there and play him 25 minutes because that is the, the opportunity cost of that is Stephen Enoch. No, I, I kind of disagree. I So the whole summer when you guys were talking about like what position should Malik even play because he could, you know, he can play center. He can play the four spot. I mean, he can literally play besides like point guard. Um, I mean, he's a very versatile guy for his size and range and what he can do. So in my mind, like you just brought up, you know, I don't see it as a who do we have to like sacrifice and put on the bench to get Malik minutes. I think it's going to be a game by game basis on where is the team need for this game. So like if Enoch gets some foul trouble early, we don't have to immediately rely on Aiden. If Dwayne Sutton's having a, a weird game or or Sam for some reason, I mean he's still a true freshman, and I think people are already starting to forget that. Like Sam's probably right. going to have a couple down games. Like he's just played really well so far, and we for haven't sure. really played that many good teams. Right. So if he's playing a good team and not nothing's working for him, okay, you you have Malik. Like you have a better player to back up literally half the starters, mm-hmm. like position wise. Right. And and that's where I think it's exciting because he might not play the same position the whole game. You you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. You're talking about. How many minutes can he get when Enoch's there? Well, he doesn't have to play Enoch's position. He might play like if Enoch gets in foul trouble later in the game, he might switch from like a four to a five. Like I, mm-hmm. I've seen Max talked about versatility this whole you know preseason. Right. I mean, he's got Sutton at the five practicing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he doesn't care as long as the players are are given the effort they that he knows they can give. So in my mind, it's not. I think it's a kind of like a spoil of riches kind of thing to where like right. it's a good problem to have regardless yeah but but yeah I, I think he's going to be more versatile which means you can find him more minutes on different parts of the floor yeah what do you think i think it's kind of um it's going to depend number one on on the matchup um i think that there's some teams where enoch just makes more sense like i think that this that the game tomorrow against sc upstate is a perfect matchup for for enoch because they're just going to feed the post you know, if there's a bunch of guys that just cannot defend him, just like against NC Central, like he, he this is a perfect matchup for him. Um, I think that there's other situations where you could see them both on the floor at the same time, just to spare Jordan Warris. So I think it's a per- perfect opportunity. Enoch's not in foul trouble; he's playing well. If you want to, you know, get Warris some minutes on the bench, preserve him for later. They could play a couple minutes together at the four and the five. Um, they can interchange on offense and defense. Either one of them can play the four or five. Um, and then I think the third thing um, would be that Enoch's only played 23 minutes a game this year. That's only four minutes above what he played last year. Um, I think the minutes are still out there, and I think he's going to take all. He's going to eat up all of whatever Dwayne Sutton and whatever um, 
whatever Aiden Gahan was was playing. Right. Um, so I, I think that's where the minutes come from, and I, yeah. I don't think that Malik Williams. I'm, I mean, I'd say that his his play would warrant about 17 to 20 minutes a game. Uh, you think more than that? I mean, yeah, it, I think you got. I mean, I think that as your leader in the heartbeat of your team, and the one, well, I mean, I think Malik is the the dog. Like the like you know, Chris Mack talks about he wants aggressive, hungry guys. And not right. saying that Jordan Moore is not that because he is, but it's a different way. You mean Stephen? You not? No, no, no. I'm talking no, about. I'm just talking about Jordan Moore in general. Like okay. I think that this team right now, one of the things they're missing is just like the energy and the heartbeat, and like somebody who's just going to be instant energy on the floor, and that's where Malik is. And I just think that we saw last year. You know, Mac doesn't. He's not going to. I, I don't see a scenario where he's going to play them a lot together, and because of that. The minute situations just get dicey. Now, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, like you said, I think the biggest thing is going to be matchups, and especially when you get into the tournament. The one thing that I've been so encouraged about this far is Dwayne Sutton at the five, because now Louisville has a small ball lineup. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you oh. talk about the death lineup for the Warriors. Louisville right. has that with Dwayne at the five, um, and now you have Malik at the five. You have Steven at the five. And look, I'm not saying this is a bad problem to have. This is a great problem mm-hmm. for Coach Mack. I'm just saying. For Louisville to be at its best, you need both of them, and you need both of them to be engaged and locked in. Right, Steven, you know, is, you know, I'm not saying he's worried about his NBA career, but like you want, he wants to be on the floor as much as possible. So does Malik. So does Aiden. I think Aiden once once Malik gets back, Aiden becomes Aiden just doesn't have a spot in the rotation. Right. Um. So my my thing has just been trying to figure out how you work them in. David Johnson is the same thing because I I the way that Ryan McMahon has played, he deserves to be on the floor a lot and, mm-hmm. and that, that's going to change a little bit when we get into conference play yeah. that that's nothing against him he's can we talk about him guy. a little bit yeah we can talk about okay? him i'm all about talking about shooters because if there was anything i was ever good at in playing basketball it was shooting and so like when i see another shooter i'm like hey <laughs> do you think that's why people identify so well with ryan McMahon? because yes. people are like and, and they're 100 percent wrong right yeah but, oh, but, sure. but people are like oh i, I can like, do no. that yeah so 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 <laughs> It, it, this is just the, glad to see another shooter on yeah, the court. Yeah, this yeah, is exactly. the interesting thing. So this is I'm not I don't want to. This is not a race thing, which I sh- that's gonna preface be like uh oh uh oh here we go. I was literally but like, like this is totally gonna be a race. So when I play <laughs> when I played AAU basketball in high school, sometimes I would be the only the only white guy on my team, and I would be the only white guy on the floor. And when I would get in, the other players would call me white boy, and they they'd know that I was not a great dribbler. I couldn't guard them on defense. And so I quickly became a shooter, like, and that's what I specialized in. So the only time I ever got on the floor was when I was playing in games when I could shoot and get a matchup that the coach thought was favorable. And I, that's why I've liked Ryan so much because Ryan would get in and just fill it up. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to play probably five minutes in this game, so I'm just going to shoot ten times. And that's how I always was. Like I just wanted to shoot as much as I can. And I think that there's a lot of basketball players who are grown adults. I shouldn't call them basketball players. Grown men who once played basketball and right. they're like, or they play like a rec league or no, something. Like, I'm really good at shooting. So like the only thing I, I like about Ryan is that he can shoot. And I don't know why I put a cigarette voice in there, <laughs> but the, like I think that a lot of people. I, and I'm not I, I'm not trying to make this a race thing, but I'm just saying like whenever there's a really good white shooter on a team i think that there's fans who gravitate they towards just, that because yeah. that's not commonplace no. anymore not a bad thing i'm not no. saying that i'm just saying all. that that's a reason for fans to get extremely excited about ryan mcmahon when he gets in but this season he's been more than a shooter no, a i mean more. he well and here's the thing he fits the bill for for what you're talking about you know he's a he's a he's like your size you know he's a small smaller right. you know white, white gentle, gentleman 
Um, <laughs> we're like so tiptoeing around. Oh like, yeah, trying 100%. to make sure Which we don't fine. say anything Which that can fine. be offensive. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nothing wrong um, with that. No, um, and, and again, but the the thing that I think the reason Alex said he wants to talk about Ryan McMahon is because dude's starting, which we were all shocked prior to the season, right? We are like, where are you going to find minutes for Ryan McMahon? I don't know, maybe as a starter playing 25 minutes a game. Um, that could be potentially a good spot for him, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I, I think that he is, you know, he when he's making shots and he is getting into the lane and he's doing a little bit of the other things that Chris Mack needs him to do, he's going to be out there. Um, but when you get into conference play and you start going against bigger, longer, stronger, faster, quicker guards, that's when you're going to see issues with him. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. not. I mean, we because saw last game. I mean, last every, year there was games where he would just get hot and, and every, absolutely go off. Like everything weakness-wise we know about Ryan McMahon. Like I feel like he kind of took it to heart to improve every major thing he had going on because like this year I really so far – haven't had like I've tried to look for stuff to to get upset with him mm-hmm. about just to be any sort of way critical. I mean, the, the dude is passing at a like super elite level. Like some of the passes you if you've watched the last couple games, like he's had some great passes. Mm-hmm. He's even more confident shooting the ball, and he's actually think of this prior to the season. And I don't know if he believed me necessarily, but Ryan McMahon was the best guard at getting in. I, think, and that's the, I, I, when you said that to me the first time. I was thinking about like, how do I tell him I think he's wrong without being mean? <laughs> I'm gonna say it publicly. Yeah. So now <laughs> yeah, the first time, I, I just like that's the one thing that he 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 got into the lane more last season, and it was because he finally developed a shot fake. Which mm-hmm. every time Brian McMahon shot fake, somebody's gonna jump because you don't want to be the guy that got splashed in the face with a three, right? And oftentimes he he is. Just, <laughs> He's decisively quick. Like <laughs> that's a thing we often hear about smaller white guards, but he is. Like Ryan McMahon yeah. can be quick when he needs to. He's but, crafty. But last season, <laughs> the one Gritty. guard who consistently got into the paint was was Christian Cunningham, and he didn't even do it a lot. Like he only did it occasionally. Like last year, the problem was nobody got into the lane. So my my theory on this was that McMahon executes Max offense really well. In in that when you have like a back cutter, when you have a when you have like a down screen, when you have a guy you know on the baseline, he's gonna find that guy, and he does that by dribbling and penetrating, getting into the lane. I think that the issue that we saw last year that we haven't seen yet this year was that oftentimes it either results in a great play like an alley oop or like finding a wide open shooter or just a terrible turnover. Right. Like there was it was either one or the other. This this year so far it hasn't been that, and he's been able to get into the lane. In my opinion, even more effective. Well, that that's why I'm like still kind of holding my breath because it's only been four games, mm-hmm. right? And I'm really, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of waiting for like not the whole team to come back down a little bit to earth, but sure. like maybe McMahon just from the, like I can't erase like the last three years of what I saw, right? I'm right. super stoked at this year's improvements and consistency so far, and so my biggest hope is that this is going to be a day in day out McMahon. Yeah, in terms of effort, consistency, more accuracy, like shooting yeah. the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like, I hope that stays. I, I really do, and, and so I hope this isn't a fluke. And that—that's my whole thing: is that he's playing so well. Like that's—that's that's weird to say. Like he's playing so well, it's almost like, all right, when are you gonna kind of go back? Yeah, to and, be in your normal. And and he's playing a lot, and I think that that's gonna continue to be the case. But 
you know, you often hear coaches talk about how their starting lineup is not their finishing lineup. I don't anticipate him being in the finishing lineup much this season. And, no. And dependent upon matchup because you just can't keep Sam Williamson off the floor. Right, but I, I do expect him to still be an intricate part of that team. Oh, no doubt. Team he, sure. I mean, he is, you know, I think he's one of the most important pieces on this team because of his shooting. I mean, obviously Jordan is the best shooter on the team and is going to be the guy you rely on scoring, but – how many times this season are we going to see Jordan double teamed? It hasn't started yet, I don't think that I can remember, but it's going to happen at some mm-hmm. point. They're right. going to have to double Jordan, or they're going to have to make sure he can't, you know, catch the ball and catch and shoot situations. But the, the, you're definitely right. I think the shooting has. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many years Louisville has started seasons with games where they have so many good looks and they just can't hit it. De- like they just can't hit the shot, and that's where the jokes of the Yum Center rims being too tight right. comes in. This season, I mean, I I cannot remember a Louisville team shooting like this ever. They're just uh, shooting wise. I feel like they're mentally locked in. I think that stuff that you would normally emphasize in the early going, they haven't been as good at. So that's what I want to see when they're when they're still playing lesser teams. Like, yeah. Um. You know, Akron will be an okay test. It looks like it looks like Akron's playing okay. Yeah. And, and like and, there, there's a couple of teams that maybe if they if they're not on on top of their game. Right. It could be a five-point game at halftime. Like yeah, the, I think the NC Central was a good matchup. You know, I, I, obviously they don't have the guys that they need that they will have at the end of the season, and they were a smaller team. But that's a tournament team. A tournament team is a tournament team. That's right. a team that they could easily see in the first round as a 16 seed. Yep. Indiana State is another team who's very capable of winning their conference and automatically qualifying for the tournament. Right. Um, and they're you know Akron, whatever they're middle of the pack MAC team. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky are going to be good matchups, especially Western Kentucky. That's going to be the first. Western Kentucky is going to be the first team with quality bigs. That I was about to say. Is. I mean, that could they be can a match matchup up against yeah. Charles mm-hmm. Bassey and um, uh, Drew Williams, I think is the big guy's name, mm-hmm. who played in Northern Kentucky. They've both been exceptional this season. Um, but but the back to the point of Malik Williams and David Johnson, like it is such a good problem to have. I am just skeptical of. I don't want to say skeptical, but it's going to be a challenge for Mac to figure out how to make the minutes work here because you're going to – it's just – it's opportunity cost at the end of the day. You you want to give Malik and David more minutes, you're going to have to take minutes away from somebody, and I think that everybody this season uh, who's played consistent minutes has earned those minutes. But That's also, the tough part. I think this team's a little bit different when it comes to, like, the minute game. Man. Yeah. Like, it, it's so crazy because, like, you see Duke and UNC and Kentucky, like, they all have the same issues every single year, which is we have a bunch of five-star young kids and they yeah. all – you know, we all basically promised them a ton of playing time, and now you got to somehow distribute the ball. But I think with Louisville, it's almost, uh, you know, like a, another parallel with uh, with Satterfield and football is I think everyone's quickly learning their role, right? Like mm-hmm. how Satterfield explained that is like everyone as the team will get better the quicker everyone just understands their role, mm-hmm. and not everyone's gonna like the role, but they have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Right, like you're gonna be a backup, because that's that's just your role right now. Because I'm me. Right, exactly. Yeah. And if you don't fuss about it and just keep working harder, you might get more minutes. But that's your current role. And I think this whole team, like you, you don't see anybody complaining about anything. No, right? like they're having a great time. No one's fussing about minutes. The freshmen know they're freshmen. Like this is a true college, like deep team. Because yeah. like the freshmen aren't complaining at all. They're like, no, we understand. We have seniors above us. We have higher you know, like seniority above us, and they're teaching them. The seniority isn't even threatened by the freshmen. They're like, no, no, no. We're this is how Mac wants things done. This is how we're gonna get better as a team. We're not gonna right. win a championship without you guys. So we need you guys to get on this learning curve. When I think quick. I think the thing that elevates the freshman play too, or just the younger player play in general, 
is that there's not pressure on them to perform. Right, exactly. You know, like Quinn Slezinski can come in, Aiden Gahan can come in, and both of them have not looked great. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't think Josh Nickelberry scored three points so far in probably, you know, 30 minutes of play. You know, like there's they have a lot um, of area to improve, but nobody's freaking out because yeah, there's the, no reason the, the first seven or eight guys are ridiculously good, and there's going to be two more guys that come in and steal pretty much all the rest of their minutes. Right. Like, besides Sam, who gets, obviously, the most minutes out of any freshman right now, like, the other freshmen have surprisingly looked loose, like, when they're playing. Right, and I think right. it, I think that's because, you know, they're not pressured. Because, like, you once again, like, these blue-chip schools, like you're seeing, those freshmen have instant pressure to oh, perform. Oh, yeah. They're hunting shots. They Like, if you don't perform yeah. right away, because then you get beat to a team like Evansville, and then mm-hmm. just... Sky's the limit in terms of like, oh my god, what's going on? Yeah, this kid sucks. This, like you just start hearing the bashing mm-hmm. online like super quick. But yeah, that's a lot for like an eighteen-year-old to to handle like coming in. Yeah, no doubt, and it's much smaller magnitude than the bigger schools. Right. And the, so, the freshmen don't. I mean, the thing that's really interesting is we called them the Super Six all summer, and look, they're all really good, talented players. But in in reality, one is going to play this season. Two, David Johnson and Sam Williamson, maybe eight. David. David Johnson is kind of an unknown, and I mean, I don't. I think, and like we talked about earlier, I think that you know, when I think it's pretty obvious where um, where Williams's minutes come from. I mean, I just Igehon's not ready, and that's fine. Like he, yeah. he's just been what he is. Look, you know? there's. The Super Six is still super, but we just didn't say they were going to be super all at the same time. Yeah. Right? Okay. I mean, there's that, that's th- my thing. I think they're all going to have fantastic look, careers here, just at different times. That yeah. is what is so ironic to me about the Louisville fans freaking out all off season about recruiting. Because if you think about it, right, you have Sam headlining the class in 2019 and 2020. 20, you have Jay Scrub, right? Very similar players. I think that they're. Uh, their upside is at about the same level. Obviously, Jay has been playing at you know longer at, at a higher level than Sam. But uh, after Sam, you go down to David, and I think that DeAndre DeAndre um, DeAndre Davis is very similar in terms of ranking. I mean, I think David ended up being a little bit higher. DeAndre is going to probably climb. Mm-hmm. So like the the classes are so similar, and yet fans are like, "Oh my God, Chris Mack can't recruit anymore." Well, like you have the same class, it's going to be a smaller class, but mm-hmm. you're going to have one player who plays a lot. You're going to have one player who plays a very defined role. Then you're going to have two guys who are going to play very little minutes, and they're going to develop into starters long term. Right. I mean, in, you didn't even see Mac go, go for the big fish last year. Like Mac came in, he knew what they needed um, to make his second year successful, and he went out and got the job done. Um, then in his second year, he kind of swung for the fences, but I think right. that he realized more what it's like to to kind of compete against the the big dogs, basically. Right. So there's there's two types of teams that are that are landing the top thirty and forty players. It's the Dukes, Carolinas, Kentuckys, um, Arizona, Arizona. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna come in and and probably mop up fifteen to twenty of those players right away. Right. And I I said. The entire time we talked about recruiting this summer, I always said, you know, you're in great place with your five-star guys until Duke calls. And exactly. Then you get Jamie and Brakefield. Like, it's just the way it is. But anyways, I, I didn't mean to make this into no, a, no, a, definitely a recruiting not. conversation. I'm just saying, like, this freshman class was so heavily touted, which I get it because nobody expected Mac to be able to recruit like that. But then when we get into the season, there's guys who just aren't ready to play. Again, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Uh, we're going to be talking about the same thing next year. We're going to be talking about a very, you know – a a team returning a lot of players with some freshmen who need to come in and with a lot of hype who can be really good. But it's just like any team like there, no freshman 
is going to be like no class is going to be like what you get with Duke when you have five or six guys who are going to come in who are ready to contribute right away. There's always going to be guys who need a year or two to develop. Right, which I think we've seen. It's a blessing to have. Championship-wise, like not year-in, year-out rankings, but like who actually wins the championship. Teams with veterans, always. It, it's really not ever made of just freshmen. No, like, I mean there's been one or two teams in this decade that I can think of that have been you know, pretty freshman-oriented teams. And for the most part, those teams have had one generational player on them. Maybe not. Maybe that's not the case. But you think about Kentucky in 2011, I think, with Anthony Davis. Like, you're not going to get another Anthony Davis. We've seen that. Coach Cal can't win without an Anthony Davis. And then I mean, Coach K couldn't win with his version of an Anthony Davis. Right. You know, like right. That, that's the crazy yeah. part. And then you go to the Duke team that had Jalil Okafor, Justice Winslow, and uh, uh, there was somebody else, another freshman I'm, I can't think of, uh, Tyus Jones. Uh, but that team has Grayson Allen. That team has uh, Matt Jones. That team has a couple of very veteran players who provide, a, you know, a big thing. But they're obviously headlined by a freshman. The rest of the teams this this decade, Villanova, North Carolina, like these, those teams have won with veterans. Yeah. Well, I was just yeah, because the first teams that came to my mind were Villanova, made yep. it back back to back years, or no, did they? Yeah, 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 against North Carolina, right? Didn't they play North Carolina two years in a row or thought, or, or twice in three years or something like something that? Something like that. And then Virginia. Like, you you look at just even Villanova and Virginia, those teams never get, like, multiple five-star, like, yeah. freshman guys in the same class. Like, no, they need years to, to develop a fully rounded class. And that's the mm -hmm. same reason Virginia lost so much talent, and they're still being argued about. Uh, being I, a top three in the ACC, yeah, being a top right. ten Seth team, Davis, like if I'm not mistaken, Seth Davis said they're the number one team in the country. Right, like I don't, right. I don't agree with it, even though well, obviously when you're they're, holding they're teams defense, thirty-four yeah. points a game, it's right. not, it's not hard to put them there. Like, I, right. makes right. sense. Like they're back to being the only good Virginia, teams, but not just right. It, it, it's nuts schmucks. to see, um, yeah. yeah, to see the developmental side of it. So yeah, I, I do think Mac's on the right track with that. People need to just stop freaking out. Yeah. So, but between now and next Friday, when Louisville travels down to Nashville to play on Facebook against Western Kentucky, which I, I don't get it, whatever, you're the Conference USA for a reason, so I guess it's on brand. Uh, but Louisville's got USC, Upstate, Akron, and there's somebody else that falls in between there. So, like, you have three more really bad games before you go play a pretty decent team who very likely will be a tournament team um, in in March. Uh, what do we want to see? Like, what's the one thing that you that you just want to see? Like, is there anything that kind of stands out, or is it just you want to see what you've been seeing? I mean, you, obviously, you want to see continued success, but I, I think there's there's definitely areas of, of improvement. Like, I think that as good as Darius Perry has looked, I think that you want to see him become, again, what we talked about in the offseason, you want to be an everyday guy. Like, I think that Darius Perry is a guy, we haven't even mentioned him, um, you know, he he has one twelve assist game and then follows it up with, you know, not a clunker, but a game that was kind of disappointing. You know, he had some turnovers, had some four shots, looked kind of less than comfortable against some lesser competition. You know, you want to see a guy like that can, you know, continue to develop in, into um, what we're used to. And I, I think the other thing that I really want to see, I want to see them improve on defense, obviously. You know, I, I want to see them, when you're, when you're playing some team, some pretty bad teams, like when you're playing North Carolina Central, you want to see them hold that team in, in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to see them continue to, you know, be mentally focused on defense. And then I think the last thing that I want to see is just get getting into the lane. Um, I, I want you know, I think that, that when you were that dominant, when you're able, when you have a Samuel Williamson and a Jordan Wara and, 
and a Darius Perry and whoever else you know you want you want to be able to get into the lane consistently crash the glass uh, possess the ball um, far more often you know Louisville's not forcing a lot of turnovers um, they're not scoring at the bucket at will like they should be they're kind of just settling for threes and just you know I mean they've been shooting what 54 percent or something stupid as a team um, from from three but you know, so I want to see them kind of establish a b bit more of an inside presence, kind of show that they're a bit more of a complete team. Obviously, from what we've seen, they look great. They look like they're going to be a really good shooting team. They look like they have really good team chemistry. Everybody looks like they understand and know their role. I think that Stephen Enoch looks tremendous. I think that Jordan Wara is Jordan Wara, and he's just going to go off and just have his little runs. I think Dwayne Sutton's continuing to be Dwayne Sutton. Uh, Ryan McMahon looks great. Like, there's lots of positives on this team, but you want to see it just them just continue to grow just keep growing yeah uh, you know you don't want this to be you know the 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 rest of their season they're just having a gradual decline in 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 offensive play so one big thing yeah screw the end of the season like downward spiral exactly we can't, we can't finish it just scraping with the wheels off the car that's right to, to, to summarize that yeah, I, I what, what are they working that. towards you know they need to continue to work towards something you want to see them you don't want to see any plateau games you want to see you know some kind of progression in every game like clearly they this game they focused on they really wanted to crash the offensive glass or this game they really wanted to run the offense through Jordan Wara or whatever the case is you know you right. want you want to see emphasis placed on that and right now it seems like they're still trying to kind of feel out um, exactly the way the team's going to be. Um, so One know, of th there, there's definitely a lot of areas for improvement in, in, in my mind. Yeah, and it, for me it's not even – the biggest improvement has yet to come because my big things right now, they need to tighten up the pack line first off in, in, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Like it's, it's working all right, but there's a lot of things they still need to work on. Well, keep in um, mind, three new starters. Right. So. Well, that – I'll get there. That yeah. Um, second is just the mentality. Yeah, Presley. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. You got to go. Let me have <laughs> my turn. Uh, the other side for me is like the mental aspect for a lot of the bigger players. So like how he just mentioned Darius Perry, you can't have Darius Perry commit a foul in the first minute of the game and then like already have his head down, right. like frustrated. Right. You're supposed to be the leader and the point guard on the court, and the rest of your team seeing you just pout. Right. The first minute of the game, like you can't. You can't do that if you're going to be a championship team. Right. Absolutely first not. off, um, so just little things like that. Like he's he's improved so much. I'm not taking that away from him, but I mean, he maybe just a little more like emotional maturity, which I know is hard because you want you want his aggressiveness without like the the negatives of that. Right. For sure. If that makes sense. But my biggest thing takeaway wise is going to see how they how well they can keep up this efficiency with adding two new pieces into the rotation. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how much in terms of minutes when it comes to David Johnson and Malik. And and so we already have almost like a well-oiled machine right now. And so how do you start to, you know, kind of drop in Malik for a few minutes? Right. What lineups is he best with? Like what chemistry is he going to work well with in those lineups? Same with David Johnson. Like, they just don't know yet. And, and the players that have been playing, you know, all of a sudden Malik's back on your back on the court again with you, and you haven't – you've played what? Like, it'll be probably like five-ish games, five and a half before he sees minutes. Um, and you, So you've already had a, a lot of playing time without one of your main dudes on the court. Now you just have to automatically 
get him back in, get him up and going, and still score right. as many points as you know, you've been scoring, play his defense as well as you've been playing defense. So I'm really just curious to see kind of like what Presley said about them continuing to grow. But I think a big part of that growth is going to be how well David and Malik can really start yeah. to put themselves back in the lineup. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's transition to football. Yeah. Um, My basketball brain's done. I know. Me too. Because they're playing teams that I right. don't even know exist, which, look, it's that part of the the year and it, it happens i understand but i'm ready to get to the michigans and the western kentuckys and the texas techs of the world but let's talk football because it is official that louisville football is going bowling which is something i honestly did not expect myself to be talking about this season but louisville picked up their sixth win of the season on saturday uh beating north carolina state in a game that i only saw the first half of so i'm probably gonna be a little bit useless if we were going to talk about the second half because i got to go enjoy a night at the omni which I was, was say, fantastic I was like, what bar were you at uh, so we started game? the game at Griff's, which was um, okay, uh, it, very okay. Um, and the environment in there with the TVs is awesome. Food, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then we ended up in the speakeasy mm-hmm. for the rest of the game, which I did not get to, to catch because there are no TVs in there. Right. It's very intimate, Sid. It's uh, a pretty cool place. It is. It took you know, me- overall, I think the Omni was uh, a bit of a – waste of money if i'm gonna be honest with you because the rooms are about four by four like you can maybe are get really? two people comfortably in there i mean come on you're, you're a luxury hotel and your room is the size of a small walk-in bathroom like i don't want to complain but I'm, I'm going to because i anyways this segment not brought to you, you by, by the, the omni, omni. <laughs> <laughs> it's i got it so i left a review which i don't ever do reviews typically oh and my it wasn't God. a bad review but How? i just mentioned that the room was small the bed wasn't comfortable the pillow felt like air like you're gonna charge the prices that you're charging you're gonna give me a shit pillow like come I kinda on wanna, i kind of want to go stay there just so i can see what it's like so now. Right, the email, they, jacob tried to take his lady out for a nice night and woke up 15 years Older, sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Hold on, I, wanna, I just want to. I'm going to wake up and write a Yelp review. This so, is ridiculous. Th- this is what the the follow up email that they sent me. They said I have requested for our housekeeping team to temporarily temporarily remove the room from our available room while we review and replace the mattress and pillows currently in the room. Wow, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's we, not going to happen. We all done. I bet you that room is for sale and it's probably more expensive. So I have a I have a confession for you, and you've worked in the restaurant business for a little bit. When somebody says, "Wow, it's a little chilly in here," do you mind telling your manager to? Sure, yeah, we'll to, turn it down. Every single person in the restaurant goes, "Oh, absolutely, ma'am. The customers' needs are, are you know, we want to meet that. Never mind that there's forty, fifty other tables in there. Your needs are most important. You're a little chilly, so we need to make sure we take care of you. So we go walk in the back, do 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 do, and you know, I'm turning down the thermostat, aka like texting Jacob back about some article or something." Um, yeah, so basically, that's like the... That's what that's you just like, did to me. That's like yeah. the, the fluffy flex. Yes, that's that. We will totally look into your discretion, and we are so sorry, but we're going to continue to charge our patrons full price yeah. for that room with the crappy bed and the pillows. <laughs> she, she pressed they in, and one. they just like evilly cackled. They're like, oh, <laughs> I'll show <laughs> him. We're going <laughs> to shut this room down, but really, we're going to keep charging full price. You, you know they took one look at Jacob's info. They're like, oh, it's a local? Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, we right. don't care about yeah. that. What no, if, we're, we need big time players to come in and fly into Louisville. What that are if, here for though, what if the how the you know whatever maintenance guy he like had to like go down into the the you know cellar or whatever and grab another mattress and haul it up there and fluff the pillows? <laughs> Look, <laughs> what if they're actually up there? 
here's the thing. We're going to get into a hotel conversation. Tommy boy just All I want in a hotel room is a comfortable pillow. Because look, I am not sleeping at home obviously if I'm sleeping in your hotel. I'm a big time home court sleeper. Like I obviously your own bed is the most you know comfortable what you place like, on earth. Dude, yeah. Yeah, so when I get into a hotel that's got a weak mattress and a and a tiny pillow that has got no stuffing in it, yeah, I'm gonna be pissed. I should have called them up and complained then, but I didn't. I held it in. And I reviewed it anonymous anonymously. You're an old man. I am an old man. When you when you have a Come two year old man, your hair it gets grayer quicker. Your wife starts to nag a little bit more. You get that, uh, what, uh, what? Right, like, right. No, I mean, listen, in your defense, you know, playing devil's advocate here, you have a two-year-old child. I do. You, in order to just kind of have a reprieve and celebrate, I assume it was your anniversary, right? No. Oh, no? No, our anniversary was in October, but... Oh, you were just you're just having a nice night out. I planned something special for my wife. Right, flowers right. just because... Even better. Yeah, you were just trying to do something nice for your wife and just have a nice, enjoyable, relaxing time. Right. And you're probably waking up at like 3 o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat, just thinking of what you're going to say in this angry evening. So I did wake up at 3 <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and I did not go back to sleep. I watched... Uh, you know what? I watched the first half... It's so funny. I watched the first half of the game again. You already... <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, watch this. I was like, I'm going to stay up and watch the full game. He woke game. up and he's like, God hates me. Oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. <laughs> I'm going to watch the first half again. But anyways, back to the game. I thought that um, obviously going bowling is a huge deal. Regardless, they could go to the military bowl or they could go to the orange bowl. The significance remains the same to me of the fact that the, this coaching staff got this football team that a year ago gave up 60-something points to Syracuse, 50-something points to North Carolina State, and now, less than a year later, Louisville is bowl eligible with two more games to go to get and, to eight wins. And two more winnable games at that. Louisville, thing. I, I saw a statistic that uh, I, I think it was the ACC Digital Network that put it out on social media. Louisville is the only program to have won four games more Which, this season than they did last year. I don't year think that's true, though. I don't I, think it is either. Because Central Michigan up. went 1-11 and 11 last year, and they're already like 7 and something. Yeah, and, I th- then, and I think SMU is another program. Yeah, SMU, and they, they named a couple. So it must have been like one of those very – like the, it makes sense. We're the only team that's jumped their win total by four. They never, said, very, they never said five, six, or seven. Very specific, or anything like that. It's very specific. It's only stat. four. Yeah. So, so that, that does make sense if you just want to get a singular stat like that. If you're a, if you're an avid listener and you've been on this entire time, you might recall that that I was called out for not predicting six wins this year. I have in front of me the uh, the proof. Um, I remember so this. It, I got mad at you because we both said six and six. Right. Except and then you were the negative Nancy that I said, said six and seven. Lose I the bowl game. A bowl game. And then I brought up Satterfield's, Satterfield's bowl record. Right. Never right. lost a bowl no. game. So that's never why, lost. That's why I am seven <laughs> and six. So I'm the out of the two that predicted it. I feel like I'm still more the optimist, but I am happy that we're probably both going to be wrong. I was about to say it's more likely to be. Eight and seven, or is that you know what? Eight and six. It'd be eight and four and seven and five. Seven and five. Which both sound great. Honestly, wait, 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 wait. wait. Are we talking about with the bowl game or with the bowl game? With the bowl game, game, it could be nine. nine. I mean, they could get the nine wins. And if I'm not mistaken, you can get nine and four. Bobby only did that once. Charlie only did that once. No, Charlie did it twice, I think. Charlie won 10 they and 11 games. 10 and 11. That's pretty impressive. And then Bobby, if I'm not mistaken, Bobby only did it one or two times his first stint. So gotcha. there's really don't even bring that. Like, I thought you were going to bring up like no, 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 a no, no, nine no. and one season, and then just the collapse. No, 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 at, no, no. at the no, end of the of season, not. I'm like, we should have had like eleven. Wins. Exactly. So but, that's the. But, and, but your way. point is perfect segment and into or segue into this 
they're doing this with a quarterback who led the team in rushing last season. They're doing this with a defense that gave up totally more points than any other program in history of college football. They are doing this with a team who uh, was broken, who had absolutely um, no desire to play football, um, no desire to to want to compete, and that's not their fault. I'm not putting that on the players. That's on the coaching staff. That the, the coaching staff drain players who grew up playing football their entire life of the desire of wanting to play football. And dilly now we're dilly. talking about a team who is going to a bowl game. That was that was deep. I'm motivated. Yeah. The shout out to. Um, uh, to Justin Rennick of the Card Chronicle for writing the open letter to Scott Satterfield and his staff that absolutely nailed the feeling of most Cardinal fans. Like to just be able to, I would have been happy with five wins uh, uh, if we just were able to enjoy football again. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about winning eight games, going to the Citrus Bowl, going to the Music City Bowl, going to the Military Bowl, going to any bowl. It doesn't matter if it's the Frosted Potato Flakes Bowl. Pre- pretty awesome. Frosted potato flakes are pretty awesome. They but are. No, I mean, the, it, it's. I mean, uh, speaking. What, of, what else can you say? Louisville could end up. up in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Which, is that I, actually a thing? It no, is, and it's in El Paso. Which no, we're not going to. We're El not Paso. going to El Paso. That, that's like, if we didn't win another game, we'd go to the Sun Bowl. No, uh, well, if they didn't win another game, the uh, way so the way that works. If you read my article, which clearly you did not, I read it. The way that the bowl works out is, it's the Orange Bowl. In the Citrus Bowl, which is almost the Citrus Bowl is almost locked into Notre Dame. Even though I'm starting to think Notre Dame may be able to sneak that Orange Bowl game in there over Virginia. Yep. I don't know how that works, but I think it's a possibility. And then from there, it's it's a series of bowls. So you have the Belk Bowl, uh, you have the the uh, you have the Belk Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, uh, the Music City Bowl, and then there's one other that are what they call ACC three through six. So that's going to be the top the teams that are seated three, four, five, and six. And then after that, you have the military bowl and the quick lanes bowl. So the sun bowl is, is grouped in there with the other top tier ACC bowl games. Is it? It okay. is. Yeah. So I but it was one of the-, the way that I see this is if I'm Louisville, I sell my soul to go to the music city bowl. hundred percent. I don't care if you're putting us up against Kentucky. I don't care if you're putting us up against the worst team in the SEC. I wrote it in the in the article that I wrote this week. The Music City Bowl is going to do everything in their power to get Louisville and Tennessee. Right, I was gonna say I that's think, the game. I thought you just said Louisville has to sell their soul to get that. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, they should be like, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it goes it. both ways. I, I think, think both secretly, mutually, gonna, we'd be happy. I, yeah. I, I, do, I just don't see a scenario unless Louisville somehow is able to sneak into that Citrus Bowl where Louisville is going to go. Okay, hey, we're we're seven and five. We're eight and four. Music City Bowl. We know that you guys want to sell seats. It's an NFL stadium. It's going to be hard to get 50,000, 60,000 fans in a stadium. Here's our solution. Bring us. We'll bring 20,000 fans just like we did the first time this season. You bring Tennessee. They're going to bring 20,000 fans. You got yourself a 40,000, 50,000 yeah. uh, know, ticket sold to the Music City Absolutely, Bowl. Mm-hmm. To Tennessee fans, Music City Bowl creams their jeans. Louisville's a winnable game for them. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if I'm a Tennessee fan, you know, in my own, you know, orange world – through my orange lenses, I'm like, oh, Louisville? Yeah, I mm-hmm. definitely want them in a bowl game. Cause yes. Well, every time Louisville has played an SEC team, it's been that mentality. And and, and it's been, and it's turned out in and their favor every time. Except, except for against for, Florida. That's it. Well, Texas A&M. And Texas A&M. I mean, Lamar was, right. was true. But yeah, I mean, between the LSU game and Georgia, then the Georgia game, the Mississippi and State. The Mississippi State game might piss me off oh, more than geez, everything they else. played without their head coach. You had a, a coordinator, defense coordinator, quarterback. quarterback. Like, literally... 
the last option at quarterback. And it's it was like Lamar's Walker last Wood game. Whatever That's a travesty. That is a travesty. Lamar's last game. Yeah, and he and just got. Just, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't it was even. Bad. That made it me so sad. That made bad. me sad for him. And then I was just worried he was going to get hurt. And wasn't Grantham, like wasn't the, Grantham the coordinator too? Yes, and then he left to go to. Um, yeah, so it was Grantham's last game. No, 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 no. Grantham had so when uh, when Dan Mullen had left to go to Florida. Grantham had already committed to following him, so they were without. Right. And and uh, Moorhead was there, or no, no, because he came from Penn State. Their offensive coordinator had also left to take a head coaching job, so they were down to no coordinators. Yeah, and like their nothing. head coach was gone, no quarterback, and they still won because of the ineptitude of the coaching staff. Well, anyways, Ugh. North Carolina State. Here's the thing that impressed me the most. I thought Louisville was going to lose that game when they got down. I oh, really did. Yeah. I didn't see it. I thought I was like, here we go, here we go again. Louisville's going to get a quarterback out there. Dude, they're going to let have a field day on them, the f- and they didn't. The first half of that game was literally just a continuation of the Miami debacle. Yeah, I it mean, was tough to watch. I understand Makai wasn't playing. I get that. But it doesn't even matter but because Adonis was hell really good. Mm-hmm. NC State's coordinator was literally like, we're just going to blitz the shit out of you guys up the middle every time. And they should. And it, it worked. Because Miami, worked. that's we what like, Miami did. I mean, I mean... I felt terrible because I'm like, Mikhail's going to get injured before the half even is over because mm-hmm. he was just taking free shots left and right. Yeah. And, like, they showed the And replay. they were laying the wood, They man. were and laying him they out. Had, in their defense, they I mean, by far their strength of the team is the defensive line. It was. a really good defensive line. But I think the game changed when Laurel Murchison went out. When he went out, yeah. it looked like that group lost their confidence. Well, like, they were kind of, like, feeding off of him. And he... He, you know, I know Gregory Rousseau from Miami had 12 sacks coming into the game, and that was one of the big talking points. But Lorel Murchison, their defensive tackle, he's been just as good all season long as Gregory Rousseau. He just didn't have the numbers at, right. like at that level. And if I am NC State's defensive coordinator coming to that game, I'm licking my chops. We're just going to blitz Cole Bentley, uh, Robbie Bell, and Caleb Chandler all game long. And it was really more... Robbie Bell and and uh, and Cole Bentley. But well, kudos and, to them for figuring it out. And I also think. This brings up a really interesting aspect because in the first half, I'm like, all right, we also – everybody knows Satterfield and Ledford are not going to give up the run. Like regardless of how bad it goes, we've seen that they will still not give up the run regardless. And so we kept getting sack after stack, tackle for loss, no gains, all this crap. And they're still trying to – you know, the outside zone really wasn't working. The inside zone sure as hell wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so – I was just intrigued at halftime. I'm like, all right. I was like, here it is. I was like, we're either going to keep just trying the same, you know, run zone stuff that we've been doing or we're going to shake it up. And sure enough, like, I think I'm, I think I was more impressed with the halftime adjustments they made than like equally as impressive, like with the performance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the planning at halftime was just as impressive as like the execution piece. Cause yeah. they were like, all right, you know what? That's a new linebacker. We're about to target him. Right. And sure enough, back-to-back, like the back-to-back bombs, dude got yeah, same on. dude. Well, yeah. it was so funny because I, I was I was on Twitter, and I saw like midway through the first half, Greg Fitzpatrick, friend of the show, kept saying, throw the ball yeah, deep. Go deep. And then they just kept throwing the ball deep, and it was like – and they could have thrown the ball more and more and more. But the thing that's so interesting to me about this season, the statistic I think I'm going to walk away with all this offseason kind of bragging about is Malik for real. Mikhail Cunningham. I'm sorry. No, I didn't was, mean to correct. That was on me. I was going to say it anyways, yeah, and then it sounded me. like I, I corrected you. I just got excited <laughs> to jump the gun because I was – Yeah, I, I have never thought of him as like our true starting quarterback. Yeah. 
and now you're seeing all these stats. Like he QB, leads the country I mean, and passes dude. over seventy yards. Which, if I think about it, I'm like, huh, yeah, you're damn right. I mean, uh, half of that is. I mean, honestly, Tutu Atwell should probably have like five or six hundred yards in rushing because a lot of his right. touchdown passes have been shovel like right. tosses in the backfield. Um, but for Mikhail Cunningham, man, I think he is the perfect just kind of microcosm of this season of what Satterfield and his staff has been able to do. And I just am trying not to let my mind go to the point of someone's going to hire Frank Ponce to be the offensive coordinator of their team. Dwayne right. Lefford's probably going to be a head coaching candidate somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to think about that right now. That was actually enjoy. my – I've made that point to somebody uh, the other day because they, um, they were asking me, they're like, who do you think is going to leave first, like Ledford, you know, Satterfield. These guys like, Satterfield's staying put at least for like mm-hmm. a, a while. I, I sure hope so. I honestly – I mean, you, you stayed at – you don't he was dominant at App State the last like five to seven years. Yeah, like people, we weren't the first yeah. program to go after him. Yeah, but you, you don't you don't stick at your alma mater for twenty one years. You know, like he was in my mind, he he was waiting for the right situation. He chose Louisville as much as Louisville chose him. I think he loves think. Vince. He loves. How could he, you not love Vince the teddy bear it's, man? It's, I think Vince for Satterfield, awesome. it was the perfect storm of geography, the program. Like where we're at right now, because we're finally in the ACC. So now we're seeing this is going to be the end all be all in terms of like, can we finally keep a coach, a good coach? Because every other time it's been a stepping stone, but we haven't been in this conference really. Yeah. Like, and the only other coach that's coached in this conference, we fired. Yeah. He didn't leave us. That's we good point. We left yeah. him. Yeah. So I, I really do think he will stick around for a while, um, just for a few of those reasons. But I do think I really. You can. I'm just looking at no, the TV. I, you can keep going. I was like, I "What are you looking at?" Like, oh, bold projections. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Ponce really oh. might be the first, might be the first coordinator or specialist to to go. Uh, just from I, yeah, I think he could be an offensive coordinator. Is Jacob the way. most distracting person you ever met in your he, life? His he's, face right now. Can you? Can you imagine? Okay. All right. It looks like Man. like bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. Like <laughs> I stole his glasses and now he's trying to yeah. look at something. I'm That's sorry, what that looks like. But. If I'm the Orange Bowl, I am so upset that I might have a chance of having Minnesota and Virginia as the two teams that play in my Is bowl. Is that what that showed? Yes. Oh, God. You're not getting a single fan from either one of those teams traveling. And then they had uh, Virginia Tech and the Citrus. It's not not much better. That I mean, but at there's least... Gonna be, there's going to be two unranked ACC teams, likely, unless Louisville just absolutely dominates her last two games and maybe sneaks into the Virginia rankings, and Minnesota would be a good basketball matchup. But if you're talking about football, <laughs> what a unattractive okay. bowl game. I'd much rather play Minnesota than a few of these other. Some of these sure. projections have had like Alabama in the orange bowl and like all these. Well, crazy it's going to be, there's that's no what, chance. That's but. my other thing is like, I don't, as a Louisville fan, I was like, I don't want to go to the Orange Bowl this year. As weird as that sounds, right? Like they're not, sounds, they're definitely not ready. That, for that. sounds yeah. so weird to say like, no, I don't, want, get beat by, I don't want the Orange Bowl this year. Thing, though, we said the same thing the Sugar Bowl year. I know we always talk about the Sugar Bowl being like one of the bigger wins in school history. It, it is. They were not that good. That like they that team was not that impressive. I mean, they lost to they lost back to back games to UConn and who was it Houston? Yeah, I home? think they lost to Central Florida that year. I thought that was no. the year they won eleven and one. No, that was the year after. The that year they lost back to back games. We got screwed with the UConn. To UConn, time, and it was yeah, Temple. And, yeah, no, it wasn't Temple. Was it Temple, Temple wasn't in the con- – they weren't in the – they Some, weren't in the – Somebody um, fact-checked this. But they, oh, they, 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 lost, they lost back-to-back games. It was their last year of the Big East to some crap teams, and they they had to go in with Teddy on crutches against Rutgers and, and beat a, kind of a crap-bum Rutgers team 
in order to to I think you might have your years mixed up or I have my years mixed up. I'm confused now because I always get that like 2011, 12 and 13, those three seasons combined into one long season yeah, for me. Yeah, no, no, so that that's fine. So but the year that they went to the to the Sugar Bowl was the year before the year that where they truly had a really good season. Yeah, we went That was the year before the year. We went 10 and 2. Florida was 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. And but Florida should have been in the title game. Yeah. Like they were Legit. And that was their excuse for why they lost. Yeah, because they didn't want to. They didn't yeah, want to play. They didn't want to play yeah. that game. Oh, shit. Um, no, but who, I, who was? I, it was UConn and who? Uh, I'm not sure. It just I just pulled up the actual oh, Sugar okay. Bowl game. But either way, I, I see what you're saying. Like I understand your point, but at the same time, we were still ranked 22nd in the nation going into that game. So right. like we were still bet. Like we but. were still. Good. I don't see in like, that regard. Like this you, year, we have some really glaring issues that we already right. know about, and they're not going to change in the last two games. We're just playing over them. Essentially, it would take some pretty like I think there's an argument there that this team is not that much worse than than that Sugar Bowl team. I I, I truly believe no, that. I, I think that you had a you had some really good budding defensive players. Uh, for instance, like you had a really young Preston Brown. Um. Um. James Burgess was a freshman in that game. Like there was some really good right. Lorenzo Malden. Yeah, but didn't you have uh, Devontae Parker, Damian Copeland? Like, no, they, they, had they did weapons. But, but, but they had Kai De La Cruz, Brandon Radcliffe, Jeremy. Jeremy Either Ryan. way, I'm just right. saying we have way bigger discrepancies well, this year than than the actual Orange Bowl year. That's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. No, I, I think that in terms of that, now that I kind of named some of those names, like I mean, Javian Hawkins is probably better than Jeremy Wright. That's what I'm saying. Why receiver wise? I mean, Devontae Parker, Devontae just... Parker, but and Damian Copeland, but I mean. You get the right Tutu matchup. Two two and Dez. Yeah, Your I'm defense you, is obviously nowhere near. Right, that's, that's, I think the offensive line. This offensive line is way better this year. I think that you have similar talent at linebacker, different, but again, it's hard to compare Charlie Strong's kind of like yeah. tough nose, like big linebackers, big defensive front type defense versus Satterfield's. Like Louisville has those kind of players on this roster. They're just not playing them. Well, they don't fit because right. they're not fast. Exactly. That's the thing is you're only going to see guys play in the system that are fast. And and that was a big worry of mine coming into the season when you only have one or two guys playing over 265 pounds. But it but, was Syracuse in Connecticut. And they got boat raced by Syracuse. Yeah, 20, and then they 26 got, to 45. And then they got beat um, by UConn at home. By on, three. But it was in on three in, in triple overtime. Yeah, and that was just was such. BSM. That wasn't the that wasn't the fair catch game, was it? When the guy no no that was like two thousand eight. Okay, no, that was, that was I thought that was way before. That was that was Steve Crackdorp. Although that is always etched in my memory. Yeah, yeah that sucked. Like that was my dad was livid. Yeah, so when I was a kid, we, let's let's look ahead. Syracuse this weekend. Syracuse has been very bad this season. Presley and I, I before we went on air, we talked a little bit about is it a culture thing? Is Dino not the guy there? Is it is it you know, is it injuries? And talking to to Paul Esden, who hosts a radio show up in New York City and covers Syracuse for Inside the Loud House this week, I'm beginning to to be convinced that Syracuse's problems is a problem that that uh, Louisville's been very fortunate to avoid this season. And Presley, you've been writing today about how Louisville really has kind of played the season that Syracuse thought they were going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville's biggest fear all season was what? What's the biggest fear? What's the one thing that Louisville yeah. couldn't? Yeah, so injury, right? Yeah. Syracuse, the opening in fall camp, they lost their best corner. Um, the beginning of the season in the first game, they lost their All-American center. They've lost a couple of offensive linemen since then. Their defensive line has had issues. Uh, Tommy DeVito, who's the quarterback that took over for Eric Dundry, is not the same quarterback. They are built to run a high-tempo offense, and that's just not the guy. 
Uh, and Syracuse has been really bad. They got absolutely destroyed by Maryland. Uh, I think it was like 62 to 21, and Maryland is not good. Maryland is terrible. Right. Uh, the, the, they got killed by Clemson. They got destroyed. They gave up 465 rushing yards at Boston College this season. Everything points towards Louisville being able to handle Syracuse at home on Saturday, get to seven wins. Uh, but why? Why is it though? Why is it that it seems this season is the one season where we're, we're seeing these teams really, really struggle, and then like the week or two before they start to play Louisville, like something clicks. A little yeah. bit better. Florida yeah. State, Miami, yeah. potentially and Syracuse because, because they like beat Duke forty-one to six. But it was but it was ridiculous. So yeah. Duke's offense is not very good, right? So Duke's offense, they lost Daniel Jones to the NFL. They lost a couple of other really big, talented weapons on their offense, and and Syracuse took advantage of that. Syracuse, I was thinking, okay, Syracuse won this game with their high-powered offense. I go to look at the box score. Tommy DeVito completed six passes. Six <laughs> passes. He threw the ball thirteen times. Duke couldn't stop the run, which is and Syracuse turned them over five times. They're not going to do that this weekend. My fear, though, is Louisville has struggled with rushing the passer. They just do not have a consistent uh, ability to rush the passer. No. Now they've been really good. Monty Montgomery has been really good with specialty blitzes. Rajay Burns has been the same way. They do make a lot of tackles in the backfield, uh, but against Syracuse, like. If if Devito gets time to throw, he's got some weapons on the outside, and uh, that's that's what worries me because you know Miami's offensive line was not very good either, and Jaron Williams freaking looked like Cam Newton. Like I mean, the kid was, I mean, six touchdowns. They set a Miami record. Thinking about the quarterbacks and the weapons that Miami's had through the last mm-hmm. twenty yeah. years, like that's like that's where I start to like every game. You know, you try to not nitpick Louisville and you try to think about the good things, but with Syracuse, I'm like. They can't get after the quarterback. They've got weapons that they can take, and they're big right. too. Well, I mean, we're big. not we're not here to just heap praise upon sure. Louisville. I mean, you know, an honest, in depth analysis of this team in the preseason, we thought they had a lot of talent. And sure. again, you know, some of these guys are going to be um, either they're going to have guys coming back, or they're going to have guys are, that are developing. You know, it, it, if you have a bunch of guys that are playing that you didn't expect to play, uh, then all, all of a sudden, you know, they, they have a full year of development under their belts now. And then, plus, if you have guys that are coming back from injury, if you're starting to get a little bit healthier as a team overall, and all of a sudden you have a develop, developed yeah. guys, and right. you have guys coming back. Um, so, and, and Syracuse is looking at that. This as you know, if you listen to Syracuse fans, they're not overwhelmingly negative negative about this. Like they know that they had issues. Uh, they're not realizing how good of a player Eric Dungey was, and they're realizing right. you know they they know their place on the totem pole. They know that if they win these next two games, they could still go to a bowl game, still get some extra. Um, practices in, and they're they're, com- they're ending the season on a three or four game winning streak. Uh, you know they can they really have an opportunity to turn a season around, and that could all start against a team in Louisville that has has proven that they are susceptible to some of the stuff that they do well. Um, so you know not not to play negative Nancy, but that you know that's kind of a devil's advocate. Sure, I, I don't think you know we'll get into predictions and stuff a little bit later, but I don't think I don't think that Louisville's going to lose, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. I, it really like I know. I don't know how many times we said this this season, but what Syracuse team shows up is really how I think the game is going to be determined. Because, like Jacob just said, they came into this season touting a high-powered offense, ranked top 25 in the country because of that supposed high-powered offense. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know what happened, but you got dog-walked at Maryland. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, like, that game was... Nuts! Like you only beat 
Liberty 24 to nothing. Right. Everyone thought Liberty wasn't even that good, so people were like, ah. I mean, isn't that the, game when, isn't that the, that game the first he, game of the season? Well, that's when Hugh Freeze was in the hospital bed. Yep. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to let it strip down memory lane. That, that, is, that was three months ago, man. Wow. Yeah. College football moves faster than any season in any sport. I swear. Yep. Right. It so, really does. How are we almost done with the season? Well, it makes it's only, no sense. It's only well, mean, it, three it months. Moves, yeah. The reason it moves so fast is not that much longer than or shorter than college basketball. The reason it moves so fast is because we're just sitting here talking about it for so long. Like we're covering every possible angle, and then all of a sudden you get one game, two games, three games. Like I remember after three games, we're like, guys, we're already a quarter of the way through the season, and right. then, you know we got to the halfway point. Like it, right. it's just it's just been going quick. Like basketball makes me happier schedule wise because I'm like, oh, I get to see you guys like middle of the week, and then oh, I get to see you guys on the weekend, and then oh, another beginning of the weekend. Right. Game. So it kind of feels then, like you know you're just kind of like rolling yeah. with the punches. And then here we play, season. and it's like. See you in seven full days, and you're like, oh yeah. god, I gotta <laughs> think. On, I gotta think on this now. Like, oh crap. Yeah. Okay. So this weekend, I think that obviously number one key is run the football because if they give up 454 yards to Boston College, I personally, in my opinion, call me crazy. You might want to call me crazy. I don't know. You guys yeah. might agree. I think Javon Hawkins is the second best but running back in the ACC. Didn't yeah. behind uh, Travis Etienne. I think he's better than AJ Dillon. I don't think he has Cam Akers. I, no, I think I think, still, I think I'm taking Javion Hawkins on that one. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm crazy here, but I I I'm just Javion happy Hawkins he's is, in the argumentative conversation. Sure, right, I was about to say. Time. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I we meant to look into this personally a couple weeks ago. We talked about this, but does the ACC give out a freshman of the year award, and do they give it to redshirt freshmen? No, so they give out a newcomer of the year award, and does it go? Yes. It, okay, so he's yeah. he's locked that in. That's his. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so no he, could, he could pull like a Ben Simmons, and, and he's probably going to be. Yes. I think okay. it's going to be. There's a toss up. He very well could be number the number two running back on the first team All ACC because they named two running backs. Travis Etienne is going to clearly get one of those spots. So that's going to be interesting to see. Does that go to AJ Dillon? Because it, what it should do is it should go to the best player on the best team. You know how many good running backs mm. Louisville's about to have next year? Like, Aiden Robbins hasn't even really touched the field. So, I that's a really interesting point. And I started to write an article today. There's a running back who will be visiting Louisville on sun, on Saturday who... Yeah, the four-star... Jaquavian yeah, Marks, yeah. who committed to Mississippi State the right. day after visiting Louisville, which I don't blame him. I would have committed to Mississippi State then, mm -hmm. too. But now you're like, damn... I come in and probably play as a freshman. I, I don't. I don't know if Aiden Robbins and Jalen Mitchell will be here next year because there's just you're going to start getting to the point where yeah. you're now an offense who can go. They can legitimately go out and recruit a five star running back. They can. Yeah. They can. They won't. I don't think they will. Mm -mm. But they can because what running back doesn't want to come in and get? Uh, I mean, Javon Hawkins is going to end up close to 200 carries at the end of the season. What running back doesn't want that? Right. For well, a team in the ACC. Especially from a coach that literally if you're better than everybody else, you'll play. Especially like, for a like team. It's, it's not like a Patino yeah. or... Patrino. Yeah. No, no, no. Of, Actually, oh. no. Patino. To where, like, even if you were a five-star freshman, you're on the bench oh, because right, right. you're a five-star... Like, I don't I care. I got to break you down before I build you up. Exactly. Right. I, but, don't, I don't care. If but, you like, you it's not going to be Marks. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to end up here just because Javion is only a... Sophomore, as only a Richard freshman, right. Hassan's a sophomore. That's so you my have two everyone's more years so young. I don't think yeah. we'll get the running back but now. Like, but I see your point. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, if you're a running back who wants to play, and I think you know, next year and the year after, Louisville is Louisville is going to finish second in the Atlantic Division this season, right? Which mm -hmm. that's a feat in itself. Louisville has a chance to finish second next year, but go to an Orange Bowl because they only lose five starters mm -hmm. on both sides of the ball, right? Yeah, so that's nuts. Imagine being a running back who says, yeah, I want to go play for that. I want to go be able to play right away in that. I want to be able to get 150 to 250 carries a year and get 
Javion Hawkins is probably going to end up with 1,100 yards easy. And between the running backs, and I think we mentioned this right before we actually started recording, but what Satterfield has done with the the walk-on talent that he brought in, like between Dana Kennard and Marshawn Ford and those guys, he's proven Jack he can, Fago. it doesn't A-craft, matter if you're a walk-on, yeah. we can start you and you will actually perform well. Like me – not wanting to go like mm-hmm. if I'm talented, but I'm not getting the offers I thought I would. I don't want to play D two. You yeah. know, I'm. Why wouldn't you go to an awesome staff yeah, in the I, ACC who's telling you, "Hey, I know you're going to come as a walk on." Right. That can be challenging at first. Sure. You will have a legitimate shot to prove your chances. The graphic they shared today on social media with the quote from Scott Satterfield from Saturday night. I think that that is going to be the changing part of this program, and I know walk ons seem insignificant. But he said, I don't remember it verbatim, but he said something along the lines of, if you can play, we don't care what your ranking is. We don't care where you come from. If you can play football, we're going to put you on the field. When it comes time to make the play and you make it, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's that's what he said. This is going to sound so crazy, but Marshawn Ford is going to become an idol to fringe Division I college football players in the state of Kentucky. You mean I can go play for that school and get the opportunity to do that? Even though I don't have a scholarship from Louisville or Kentucky or even Murray State or Moorhead or Eastern Kentucky, you mean to tell me I can do that? Yeah, sign me up for that. You went from what was supposed to be maybe a blocking tight end to catching 50-yard bombs down the sideline? I mean, I the, mean like, come on. Marshawn like, Ford? You're not going to have that opportunity I, anywhere else. I, somebody needs to fact check this. I don't, is Marshawn Ford had a better season this season than, than Cole Hickettini ever did at Louisville? No. What's he have? Seven, eight touchdowns? That's a provocative question, though. Yeah, that's a, Hick- Hickettini had a 600-yard season, though. Four is not going to touch that. Okay, that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. But touchdown-wise, I don't think Cole. I don't think a touchdown. Maybe. Okay, let me let me back up here and rephrase. Well, and that's 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 a hard. Okay, that's tough because like you're talking but, about two totally different offensive. You're right, too, but I'm so. talking about a walk-on. Right, right. Oh no, no, that's, no that's right, right. And, and here's the thing: he has potential to do that. So. How many receptions do you think he has? Uh, I'd say 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And so he's probably got 200, 300 yards, but he's got, what, six touchdowns? He's got 222, and he's got four touchdowns. Okay, so I'm um, way off here. Right, Let me right. back up. and, and <clears throat> but I don't think Charles Stanberry had more yards than that. I don't think Keith Tobridge had more yards than that. Right. No right. tight end outside of Cole Hickettini has had that success. But and since Gary Petrino's Barnage. offense yeah. was built for tight ends. Yes. Right. And you're talking about, in Scott Satterfield's offense, a Ballard high school walk-on who had no scholarship offers anywhere else is doing that. Here's here's one more for you, too. Let's keep going with all these Marshawn Ford's Marshawn Ford's only played in seven games. Think about that. How, was he out for an injury or something? I just don't I don't think he played. How, he's been the starting H-back since the first season. And, and maybe, maybe, the maybe this is off. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. I just um, think that's odd because I think he's played in every game. Yeah, but... What what I got here is fourteen receptions, two hundred and twenty two yards. That's fifteen point nine a catch, which is yeah, very impressive. I mean, the kid is in four touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he's scored every time he touched the ball, <laughs> or at least got. I mean, he can't he can't have more than. I think he maybe has like three or four catches that are are ten or more yards. But here's the thing: I mean, he scored on half of his his catches. It's ridiculous. I think the biggest thing for me going forward for next season, right? I'm not going to do wins or losses for next year. And you all better that. not. We don't have time no, for that now. We I got think all we're going to do nine games. Also, side uh, note, I'm going to kick your ass because I'm getting uh, um, advertisements for the porch on my uh, <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> we thought about going to the porch, but settled on Griff's. Anyways, continue. Probably not a great decision on our part. The porch is good, by the way, if you've never been there. Good spot. 
Continue. Griff's is all right. Yeah, Griff's is good. No, 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 no. Griff's is fine. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> that was the My most fascinating. We are just burning bridges with potential right. sponsors left and right. Dude, Griff right. was at Griff's on Saturday night. I told you he's he always was, there. He was just walking he's around. He's always there. Like, that's amazing. pretty freaking cool. I live downtown. Like the only reason I really like Griff's is because I live downtown, so like that's an easy spot for me to get to. But I totally get it if you're in the suburbs. Why that would be a, a hike. But all right, going forward for football, mm-hmm. my biggest like excitedness thought of this whole conversation mm-hmm. is kind of what Jacob just like a, a pinch of what Jacob just said. We're only losing five people and we had no idea that this offense was going to be this potent this early, especially from a running offense. When we're talking about mm-hmm. where he's going to run it 60% of the time. And we're like, people are like we're like, Real no, funny. no wide receiver is going to want to come here. And then all of a sudden you got Cunningham having a top 10 QB season with QBR passes over 70 yards like big play offense you only lose a minute amount of players mm-hmm. you develop the rest of them so we're going to have better qb play next year better line play deeper qb play because we're going to get t webb and Chubba purdy coming in and even if they don't start they're you know they should be serviceable enough to back up in case there's ever a need for a you know like a i don't know if either of them are going to jump conley but i mean like first third fourth string whatever Right. He's going to have a full QB room. Right. Um, and that's even without – unless Puma comes back, which I, I'm still – I don't think he will. But Move Puma to tight end. I can't say it enough. I mean – Move him to tight end. He won't. He'll be a hell of a tight end. He's 6'5", yeah. 240 pounds. Either way, you have so much talent coming back. You have so much talent that's already been developed and from, you have, from people that you didn't even know you are going to get talent from. And you have a top 30 recruiting class with – I'd say at least seven guys who can play right away. With You're a majority have four of, starters with out a of that. majority being defensive guys who you desperately need to start getting depth in. So, like, they're plugging holes. They're developing the talent that was already on the team that they didn't even know existed or the fans didn't even know was there. Right. So there's no reason in my mind, regardless of how the rest of the season pans out, I don't see how Louisville's not in the top 25 next year starting yeah, out. I don't. I, I I think a lot of it's going to depend on if you win the bowl game. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, I, that's I, I a do. big thing with rankings preseason. Right. That's different than basketball. As you, the teams who win bowl games, like if you go back to when Louisville won the Texas A&M game the next year, I think they started the season 23 or 24. I think they started yeah. the season like in the rankings, mm-hmm. and then obviously Lamar did Charlotte and Syracuse, and then obviously we know what happened at Florida State. Uh, they might have actually been ranked higher than that, but I think I think, yeah, I think it was higher be, than that. Yeah. But anyways, I I think that uh, Syracuse is a a very winnable game. I think that if they don't win that game, we've got some questions. And, and at this point, it look obviously you want to win both games, but it doesn't matter at this point. You're not even supposed to be here, right? right? That, so one, you just, my hope is they play loose. Yeah, you, like the last two games. Right. I know. Well. It's Kentucky. Like you're not gonna play loose. Yeah, but the, it's a rivalry. Right. But either I, way, either way, the the pressure is the the huge pressure is off. And the Kentucky game is interesting because Scott Satterfield doesn't know that rivalry. No. Whereas Bobby, you mean we we listen to Keith tell, Kelsey tell us Bobby freaking hated <laughs> Kentucky. Right. Bobby wanted to beat Kentucky more than any of us did. But I think that almost became a kryptonite for him at the right. end because it's like just, he wanted to beat them so bad he started doing unorthodox things in the games and you're like what the hell are you doing exactly it's like patino with virginia it's like patino, patino with, with Kentucky. Kentucky. Right. yeah exactly he would get thing. so uptight in his game plan and so hellbent that it, it just wouldn't work anytime so if, if satterfield comes in there with 
no expectations. Like, so you're talking loose. About, it's he's like, I don't care. Even if he came out, I know there's so many Louisville fans that would get perturbed about this statement. But if he came out and he's like, you know what? He's like, I know you guys love the rivalries. Like, this is just another team. Tonight. I mean, he's gonna say that. I'd be fine with that he's because say that. either way, and I think he's gonna mean it. Well, well, Bobby, he didn't does. mean that. He just wants to win the next. Say, game. say it again in, in the Satterfield voice. Go. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a game. It's our it's our last he game. So it's, it's it's obviously important. You know, like we've talked to the guys. We've 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 talked to the guys numerous times about it. And they know. They know it's just another game. I know it's blue. I know it's BBN. I've heard the. I see the social media. I see everything on the line. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's just another game for us. Yeah, look, it's another game look, for us, and we need that extra practice. We month. say, guys, look, do your job. Go out there, do your job. Worry about play, play the best football you can. Worry about us. We're not going to worry about them. We're not going to worry about their wide receiver playing quarterback. We're not going to worry about uh, them not being very good on defense. We'll, look, play us. We're going to be a family. We're going to do things our way, and we're going to win this football game. I mean, they got that one what skill position guy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, he's he's pretty darn good. He's pretty darn good. I've seen the film. I like what I see so far. <laughs> he's gonna be tough. It's gonna be I'm tough. Totally yeah. cutting that clip and sharing that on social media, it's and that be is gonna go viral because that is so it's bad, but it's so good. No, I mean it, it's it's spot on. It's spot but on. the fun thing about Coach Satterfield is he answered. He, first of all, if which you're not gonna be able to see me do this, but if you watch him, like I love to watch the live videos. Oh there. yeah, he's always like listening and shaking his head. Oh, and he's so Every into question it. starts with yeah. Every answer, I mean, yeah, yeah no, yeah, no. I, I, you know, we got, we got to play football. We go, we go, we talk, guys. Look, we're not worried about going bowling. We're not worried about going uh, to playing this fancy game, going to this fancy city. We're gonna go in there. We're gonna run football. We're gonna be us, and we're gonna win. <laughs> I love it. Pretty good. I love Coach Satterfield, man. I hope he never leaves. So I got it. I got yeah, a new segment for you. So he can't leave. This segment is called "Predicting the Syracuse Game as Us Three Months Ago." You ready? Do you have mine? Because I know I did mine no, separately. I, yeah, you had you did your separately, so you might have to might we might have to do a little uh, in depth research. But and this was under the pretenses that Syracuse was going to be a top twenty five team. Right. And if okay. you remember, uh, let me remind you back, Barton Simmons when we had him on the show, he predicted Louisville to beat Syracuse right in his preseason predictions, and we're we all thought like, he what? Yeah, you're crazy, man. Case. Why is CBS paying you? Here we go. So DJ BNMA. Benemy. Benemy. BNMA just makes more sense in my head. Yeah, sorry. I just call him Mr. Sorry, Contrarian DJ. in my head. <laughs> I like DJ. How could oh, you DJ is DJ's the man. He's the smartest out of all of us. I was he's, about to say, DJ, I DJ think he's is younger smart than us dude. by like four years. So, DJ, Syracuse has had success. Their program has had success. Their program has felt in the recent. I don't, know, I don't know what they meant by that. This will be Louisville Senior Night, and the energy in the crowd will be electric. However, Louisville doesn't have the horses to compete with the up and coming Syracuse. Syracuse 38, Louisville 27. Um, Allen, everybody, the beloved Allen, uh, Louisville comes to play in this one and shows a lot of fight in between the hashes, but Syracuse begins hitting their stride, ruining the Cardinals' chances of a bowl game appearance. Syracuse 35, Louisville 20. And then I had, Syracuse is building something pretty special under Dino Babers, and though it's senior day and Louisville's final home game, cards don't match up well with the orange. Syracuse will be as lethal as ever on offense, and their defensive line, will be among the best in the ACC. Oh my God. The Cards have the talent to be in these types of games this year, but at this juncture, I don't feel I don't see them putting the pieces together until 2020. All right. Syracuse 28, Louisville 17. Is that all of them on yours? Um, one one more, but those are the more cynical of them. We'll actually have them winning. 
Yeah, because I didn't. Will, Will okay. Reddington had okay. them winning. I yeah, think I was um, like, but that that would that he he only had them winning four games, and that was the fourth game. All right, I, I'm not going to read all mine because uh, I wrote mine by myself, so obviously right, the word count is a little bit higher. But yeah. I'm going to read a couple of snippets of it. Uh, let's see. So yeah, just like that, senior day arrives, and the cards say goodbye to 17 seniors. There will forever be, and this is listen to how true this is. There will forever be a special place for this group of seniors and guys like Gigi Robinson, Seth Davis, Seth Dawkins, Amante Caban, Boozy Whitlow, Jordan Davis, plenty of others who have put their bodies on the line for four or five seasons, helping the Cards reach new heights, but also seeing the end of an era and devastating lows. Unfortunately for them, they'll do it against a team like Syracuse, <laughs> whose electric up-tempo offense will test the depth and stamina of the Cards' defense. <laughs> Even with there being nothing to play late last, even with there being nothing to play for late last season, the Cards competed against Syracuse early before ultimately giving in as they did in most competitions. If Louisville can get pressure on the offensive line, this is crazy. Hey, that we wrote, I wrote this in September, right. or, I wrote this in, in August or in uh, in July, I think actually. Yeah, yeah. So most of what we said holds true. It just so happens that Louisville actually has the horses to compete. Right. So I put, if Louisville can get pressure on the offensive line, which we've talked about earlier, that's a big key to the game, and keep the Orange from making big plays that keep the field and, more importantly, the clock moving, then maybe they can hang in for a while. But with nearly every position on the defense lacking depth and proven experience, could be a long game for the Cards. Louisville 30, Syracuse 44. Well, yeah, if Syracuse scores 44, Louisville has scored 70 points in this game. I think so, too. I don't see a scenario where Louisville doesn't at least put up at least 35. UVL would have to turn the ball over a lot for that to happen. Right. Like they'd, they'd have to score on defense or yeah. special teams, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, well, let's. Alex, you didn't give a prediction on this game, so you suck, so you don't get to say anything else for the rest of I the show. I didn't need to. I'm just kidding. I know. Because you, you predicted Florida State to win, and you thought it was over. So yeah. <laughs> Can we just swap? Okay, so here's the funny part. I basically said uh, between, what was it, Florida State – it was like all the road because I kept saying like road warriors. I'm like they're well, gonna keep doing these road upsets, and they they have for the most part. Your three games early on that you wouldn't stop talking about were Wake Forest, Florida State, and NC State. Yeah, Florida State and NC State being the games where we're like Alex, shut up, man. We heard you the first <laughs> ten times. One, I was like, we're for sure gonna upset NC State, and then I was like, we're either gonna knock off Boston College or FSU, yeah. and then it was either Wake Forest or, or Miami. Yeah, right. So and so sure enough, I was like, thank God we like at least split those. I think the the one right. thing I was the most wrong about this year was Wake Forest. Oh, like, this I is gonna just, be a fun segment. Let's save this. Yeah, should, should we save, save this? We should write that down for a segment when the season's over. The thing we were most wrong about. How did okay. we? Which play, we know you're. No, so no, you no. can't get in. Yeah. It, so How we did we play yours. Clemson better than Wake Forest? What do you mean? They got drummed. Well, they they Wake Forest had a lot. They of are out. Wake um, Forest is fun. I don't know far. if you. I don't know if you saw, but Sage Shroud's out for the season. Okay, they had two wide receivers out. Oh, did I, did uh, Scotty Washington not play either? I don't know if Washington. They, they had their thir- their third best. So, Say so Scotty Scott Washington. Is a, he is an NFL star in my mind. So that's uh, oh, I think Scotty Washington is too. I yeah, think they I both think both of them play yeah. next year in the NFL. Either way, I just thought their unique offense was gonna do like even a little bit of something. The, but like, holy crap! The thing that's so that frustrating that, I, that game. I think that obviously there is ten hundred times more good than bad out of this season. But the thing that I will walk away with so frustrated by is if you just beat Miami, you're going to the Orange Bowl. It's not even close. Because Wake yeah, Forest loses to Virginia Tech. Honestly, if, if they, like going back, if they beat Florida State, they're going they to the Orange Florida Bowl. they beat Florida State. So uh, even more so, like I, before the season and even going into that game, nobody was confident playing Miami just because of, of 
of just the scenario. Basically. Well, and, and, right? and the thing that we learned in that game was Miami is the the, the, AC, the ACC, you know, obviously it's Clemson and everybody else. From what I saw this season, the ACC is really slow. Like their teams are Virginia, Wake Forest. Like nobody has the team speed to deal with a team like Louisville, which is why it's worked so much this season. Right. But then Miami comes in and you're like, oh, damn, that's a whole other level of athlete. If They're, Miami yeah. plays us on real turf, we have a closer game. Dude, so I really okay. that that field is such crap. So like, I you can see it on TV. It was crap. It, it's so interesting that you say that, and I cannot remember who I was listening to talk about this yesterday. On I think it was on Mark Ennis's show, and they're talking about the field. I think it was on Mark's. I really cannot remember. They're talking about the the field and the turf, and they talk about two games. It was Marcus Maben actually, and this was an incredible amount of right. He talked about the, the NC State and the Florida and the Miami game. He said in the first half, like we just talked about, we were like, there's, there's something about this game that reminds me of Miami. And he's like, I started thinking about it. He's like, it's the field. Louisville plays on a special style of turf. Mm-hmm. And all season long, they played on against teams with a special style of Dude, turf. I mean, think about against that. My, Miami and NC State, they played on pure grass. And he's like, when you have athletes like Javian Hawkins and athletes like Tutu Atwell and athletes like Monty Montgomery and CJ Avery, they rely on their ability to cut. Like track athletes. Right. Like, right. Like and he said, yeah. he said if you if there was a play against uh, um, against Miami where he said he could see it with Tutu Atwell, Tutu Atwell took a corner and cut up field and wanted to cut back, but didn't you could he said you know, he could see he didn't feel comfortable putting his foot in the with ground. putting his foot in the ground and right. cutting back. And I thought that was really interesting. Um they did. I mean, they looked uncomfortable on the two. Is that, are those the only two grass fields they played on? They played. Yeah, they played what, Nissan Stadium. But Nissan Stadium it is, was, is it is like it's a it's a nicer grass. They play was, on. It was hot as crap there. Too. Right, and so it, was, it heated it was the like, ground up. Yeah, yeah. and it, so they weren't playing on on. Well, it was wet and rainy on both of those games, and it was freezing cold. Yeah, too. Not yeah. freezing cold. And that's why. But. I mean, the thing about NC State is that that you want, that you like kind of start to think about is if that's true, and they didn't start going. With deep passes, maybe they lose that game because of that, and that, that's a terrible excuse. But anyways, um, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I think we were getting the predictions. We were. So let's do that real quick because I think we're getting to the point of being on too long here. So let's let's just quickly score and um, the number one reason why the score is why is the score is. Go ahead. Oh, buddy. Um, I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna take Louisville. I'm gonna say 34 to 24. And I'm going to say the biggest reason is going to be the Wolverine running game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. I think Syracuse is just very bad against the run. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I, Wolver is, I mean, between Cunningham, Hall, Atwell, like the, 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 it's just going to be, uh, and, and Hopkins, obviously, it's going to be just too much for them to handle. Uh-huh. And Syracuse's office isn't, like, what, what, the one thing that we said is they're up-tempo, they like to go fast. They like to spread the ball around. That's true, but they they don't they haven't been able to do what what they wanted to do this year because their offensive line has been a banged up and b just had no depth. So they've just been getting just hammered uh, by opposing defensive lines. Uh, I don't think that Louisville is going to necessarily bring pressure like some of the past opponents have, but uh, I think that Louisville has has a quick defense, and when you have an offensive line that's not going to give you a bunch of time. I think they could bring a bunch of different special blitz packages and that that sort of thing, and I just think that it's going to be kind of a just a tougher go about things for Syracuse. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say Louisville 38, Syracuse 17. 
And I I think obviously, Presley, you took the words right out of my my mouth. I think the running game is going to be the difference there. I'm going to say that Louisville goes for 300 yards rushing. I think that uh, I think that Javian and Hassan are both going to go over 100 yards. Okay. Um, and I think that you're going to see either Malik, uh, I'm sorry, Mikhail or uh, Jalen Mitchell, Aiden Robbins, or Maurice Berkeley break off a big run. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Yeah. And let's close with you, so better be good. So, you guys are just speculating that they have a bad defense. I actually come with stats. Mm. So, I'm going to say it's going to be like 45 to 24. Because, one, to Jacob's point, even if we only got five guys leaving, it's still senior day. And for even... Well, they have 17 seniors. And now that that Makai Becton apparently is scheduled as of right now looking like he's going to play uh which would mean he starts that's basically going to be his senior day let's face it so in my mind you got the hype of senior day this team loves this team and so they want to play for these guys i think they're going to come out syracuse is 95th in rushing defense in case you were wondering just one in front of utep Hmm. and overall they are 105th right now oh i'm sorry that's bowling green they're 104th. Oh. So they're right in front of Van Gorder. Oh, if, good. If that tells you anything right now. Okay. So this whole, we're going to run on them all day. It's true. We can factually back that up. Mm-hmm. Like, it, as of right now. So I feel, I do feel really good about it. Uh, it would be more surprising than not if they didn't. One, how do you prep for, if, if, if I'm Syracuse's defensive coordinator, I'm screwed because we know you're basically going to run it on us, but then we just saw your quarterback throw how many deep balls and connect? Like, good no, God. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, Malik, Malik's got an arm, and we now have officially a deep threat team. So what do you do? Like, pick your poison. Yeah. Essentially. Like, you can't do both. Yeah, so well, I, think I, think, I think it's a culmination. We're back home. Fans have finally got their their bowl hopefulness out of the way. So I think I think fans are going to show up. Regard, they should show up regardless of the weather. It's only like a forty percent chance. It's not going to be that bad. Um, but yeah, I think it's just going to be a big day. There's a lot of things culminating to us just kicking their butt, regardless of what Syracuse did against Duke. Because I think Duke, for some reason, is just having like a nightmare year. Yeah, they're Duke, so that's well, surprising. Cutcliffe is always pretty like normal. He's pretty mediocre for. Yep. All right. Time. Great show. Appreciate you guys being here. One last thing that's not on our show sheet, and you have one word. And or it can be two depending on what it is. Number one side dish for Thanksgiving, Presley Go. I'm gonna go number one and most underrated. We can't ever do number work number one is two. sweet potato casserole. Most underrated is cranberry sauce. Okay, what you got? Mm. <laughs> you don't have to give me an underrated, but I guess you can if you want. Since if my grandma's <laughs> cooking Thanksgiving, shout out Grandma D. Oh, Mom. well, that's Kate's. Gra- Oh. Shout out Grandma D. No, still, <laughs> okay, right, no, I still love you, D. My grandma, it's grandma it's sweet potato casserole all day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second is actually for me green bean casserole. Okay. I'm a big okay. casserole guy I like at Thanksgiving. I don't know why. Okay. I, I just I like the I like crunchy it. stuff on top. Oh, or whatever. The, the like, crunchy onion rings on yeah, top. Yeah, whatever of the that is. Like it's addicting. Look, yeah. let's let's be real here. It's mashed potatoes, and it's not even close. Gravy on mm. top. If you want to talk about a little extra additive, you all are crazy. I'm I a do. Mashed potatoes are fine, but. 
and I'm, I'm going to put some on my plate, like, no doubt. Oh, no, I'm going to put a river on my plate. What do you? My sister a few years ago said, damn, you put an ocean on your plate? You're damn right I am. The best has to be, like, and I'm going to dip my turkey in it. When you were a kid, and, like, they used to have the old school bowl, like, little saucer scoopers for the gravy, and I would just make the largest indent in my mashed potatoes. And just this literally like a little have, a, have a lake of gravy. And it would never get out on the plate. Like, I yeah. want to make sure it just stayed in the middle right. of the mashed potatoes. But you just made my point perfectly. You just said at, in, in school, right, you're eating mashed potatoes. Like, a Thanksgiving food, like, I'm not having sweet potato pie or sweet potato casserole any other day besides Thanksgiving. Yeah. Rarely, rarely. Maybe I'm not sure I've ever had holidays. I'll give you that, but it doesn't matter. Mashed potatoes are the goat, and that's the way it is. And it's always going to be that way because mashed potatoes are fantastic. You put a little gravy on them. Maybe you do like my mom does, and you melt a little cheese on top. Underrated dish. I bet neither one of you have had this before. Seafood stuffing. I bet you never had it. Seafood stuffing? They call it oyster stuffing. Bring me some. Oh! Fantastic! My wife's family—that's their—that's their patented dish for Give me the address and time. And I will—I will eat a pound of it if you never make that vase again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's been a great show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.